because it's Story Sunday, um, Megan's asked me to tell you a little bit of my recent story. I've been in a phase of transition since I stopped working rather abruptly late last year. Um, I can tell you that it's been a wilderness experience, but that would be entirely inaccurate. Um, it's been like wandering round and round and round and round in a cog wire of emotion, mostly grief. And there have been endless ruminations about obligations and expectations. And it's been the quintessential existential crisis. Um, and of course, there's been the perpetual headbutting of the wall. I like to call it the wailing wall because, sorry, wailing is all I seem to do when I'm there. I wish to God and anybody else who's passing. Uh, anyway, while I've been stomping around in my quagmire, beside my enormous wall, I've learned a few things. When Andrew Menzies came to visit at the end of May, he told me to read a book called Let Your Life Speak by um, Parker J. Palmer. It was really helpful. So regarding guidance, I learned this, and this is a quote. There's as much guidance in what does not and cannot happen in my life as there is in what can and does, maybe more. I learned that God was in fact guiding me at my wall by constraining me, identifying all the things I couldn't do and could never do was liberating. I just had to let go of the delusion that I could do anything I set my mind to. Next came our series on emotionally healthy spirituality. I took the little personality test and was offended at being identified as an emotional child. <laughs> I'm still genuinely unsettled by that, <laughs> still working through it. Um, in navigating the stages of faith, I learned that my roadblock had a name and that was the wall, and I wanted to embrace my wall. Um, and that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, nor was it necessarily a result of my lack. So my lack of faith, my lack of integrity, lack of intelligence, lack of character, lack of stamina, you get the idea. Then Oyan spoke about the prayer the Father loves to answer in a word, help. And I learned that God loves to answer that prayer. As we've journeyed through the wall, explored limits as God's grace in disguise, and discovered the rhythms of silence and Sabbath, I've been encouraged and affirmed over and over again. Um, I've learned that I can patiently sit in my mucky patch, lean back against my wall, and bask in the warm sunlight of God's perfect love. It is Story Sunday and Geraldine's is one of a few stories we're going to be hearing this morning of how God's been at work in the life of our community. So um, one of our um, other stories this morning is going to come from Jess Boucher. So welcome up Jess and give her a hand as she comes up very bravely. Now Jess turned 18 yesterday. So that's exciting. Hey Jess for yesterday. 
Um, I've been hearing a bit about Jess's day. She humbly ended up celebrating her birthday by going to an 18th of another friend last night. So we think you're very humble in that, Jess, but we wish you a happy birthday and there will be an opportunity to celebrate Jess's birthday with cake over morning tea, so please join in that. But Jess, as well as turning 18, this is a big year for you, you're in year 12. And we'll be praying along with you this year as you journey through what is often a really um, a challenging year academically, but also a challenging year in other ways. As, as in your 12, you're often making decisions and thinking through what's next. Um, sometimes it feels like there's lots of pressure around that. Um, how's God been working in your life recently? What's God been doing in your life? Has, in encouraging you or speaking to you, um, love to hear a, a bit of your recent journey. So I'm actually really thankful because I get to go to a Christian school, so the teachers are always like encouraging you like through the Word of God and are always just like saying how you should try your best like every day, but like your worth with God isn't reflected in like your ATAR or study school or whatever. So that's always really good and good to pick up. Um, also, uh, Christian rap I've been kind of getting into. Like just, yeah, it's like kind of like a like sound that is like current, I guess. But like the words are like just praising Jesus. It's just like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So good. So through um, encouragement and through music and just that continued reminder, as you said, that, you know, your value isn't found in an academic score or, you know, a piece of paper at the end of the year. Um, I think we had a text message exchange a couple of weeks ago where I found this cool quote about that, actually. And so you were already thinking about that. Yeah. But, you know, I think it was a C.S. Lewis quote or something around, you know, your value isn't found in, you know, your success in life, you know, and in Christ. So that's really profound. Um, I'm so glad that's been an encouragement to you. Um, what about, um, you've been really serving actively this year in our seeds team, and our seeds team has been a way um, that I've seen and noticed you really step up to mentor and lead and be a role model in faith to our children in our church, which is very significant. Um, how have you been encouraged by being part of the Seeds team um, in 2018? Just like helping to create a space where like kids from like whatever school or kinder could like come together and like learn about God even if they don't like come from those sorts of schools and stuff. That's really like powerful I think, especially if they can like ask questions about it and like if another kid were to be like what do you think about this and this? Like they could like maybe share their view from like a Christian perspective on it. So yeah, that's really great. That's great. And we had part one of our seeds training last week and part two next week. And it's just been great, hasn't it, to notice how as a team we can not necessarily feel we have to know all the answers for our kids and with our kids, but actually be a presence alongside our kids. Yeah. Um, and be living out a real authentic faith um, alongside kids. So, yeah, I think you've done really well working that involvement into your year 12 year. A lot of um, year 12 students say, right, no commitments other than schools. So I really honour you for that, Jess, um, the way that you 
you really prioritise church, family, and your commitment to church is really, um, yeah, is really excellent. So encouraging. Thanks so much, Jess, for being brave and um, and being up here. Thank you, Jess. Give her a hand. Our third story this morning is um, going to be shared by Phil Pearson. So welcome, Phil. Give him a hand. We're going to have at least one father up here, I thought, this morning. <laughs> so thanks, Phil, for your openness, um, your readiness to share and encourage us today. What about your recent journey? How has God been at work recently in your life, encouraging you, speaking to you, um, being present for you? What, what have you noticed and, and where's God been um, in your recent kind of discipleship journey? Yep. So I guess to answer that, I'll probably go back to some time last year. Um, and we had a mixed day worship team meeting here at the church. Um, and during that time, we were reflecting on, you know, what it, um, how we view the, the worship experience, how we feel about um, coming in and leading and, and, and all of that. And um, there was a few questions that um, Lockie had prepared for us to, to answer and part of that discussion. And those who were there will know um, of, of what I'm about to share. But what happened was I actually, at that time, was feeling absolutely exhausted. Um, life was just really, really, it felt really tough. Like I was dragging my feet through the mud. Um, and I think I shared a reflection around the scripture where um, the Apostle Paul wrote about being tossed amongst the waves. And that's how life felt at that time. And so from there, that was probably, it was, it was a great opportunity to share and to be honest with where I was at to myself and with some brothers and sisters in Christ who, you know, their journey in life and journey in this ministry with me. And it sort of, that was really a catalyst for what's moved, what's happened since then. Um, because it felt like by sharing that, now that I'd aired it, I was able to then move forward. And since that time, at the start of the year, I know that many of you have heard me reference the, the Bible reading plan that I've been doing. Um, that started over Christmas last year. That's been really life-giving. Um, because prior to that, I think I was really struggling in terms of connecting with the Word. So even if I was reading it, just really connecting with God's Word and feeling that resonating in my life. So to actually get into a practice again of sitting down and reading and actually I mentioned to Megan the other day about, geez, I don't know how many days I'm behind in the plan, probably about 80 days behind and she's like, no, that's all right, that's, that just happens. You know, you just keep going. And I think what's really come out of it is an understanding that the things that can drag you down are the feelings of what you should be. You know, I, I'm not being this, I'm not doing that, I'm failing to be the right Christian, the best Christian, a, a faithful follower. Um, and I think what's happened is that through the, this time, I've really come to realise, you know, even as a father, you know, you're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. Um, you know, that... I've probably been able to look through the readings and the scriptures and there's been a lot around David and the Psalms and 
you think about who David is in terms of the Bible and the man of God that he was, the leader he was, and then you think about some of the things he did, some of the ways he stuffed up. And you sort of go, well, if God can use someone like that, well, you know what, I reckon some of the stuff I do is not really quite as bad as what David did. <laughs> so, you know what, maybe I'm not going too bad. Um, so it's been a real sense of being able to understand that I am who I am meant to be. It's probably the best way I can put how I've come from to where I am. That I've now got this sense of I am who I'm meant to be, that God hasn't got a plan for me to be anyone other than who I am. So that's probably been sort of my journey recently through reading scripture again, going through the plans and the devotionals, seeing the characters that are in the Bible and you know, just looking and reflecting, I was like, well, you know what? I'm not doing too bad, you know? <laughs> I'm not going out trying to, you know, find someone else's wife. Um, so, uh, yeah, so really, I think it's been a real sense of, of growth, but I think, you know, I went through a period of, after university in my life where I was feeling really strong in my faith, and then sort of, you know, we had our ebbs and flows, and I, had, I was in one of those sort of periods of, of sort of the depths and um, feeling they are like, I could tell I don't feel like I'm being tossed around by the waves. I feel like I'm floating nicely on top. But um, it's, it's really been behind conversations with others, even the sermon series. Is I think one thing that we often hide away from or shy away from um, in, in churches and in, in faith is just talking about how hard things can be. So I think for us to actually be journeying through some of those things through the sermon series and even journeying through those things in the reading is really um, affirming as a person, affirming as a father, and knowing that you know, you're trying to do your best job to bring your kids up. There are moments you just want to strangle them. Um, but you know what, that's, that's, that's all part of it. You know, that we, we love them and we want them to be the best people that they can be and that's a tough struggle in itself um, so yeah that's 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 part of what's been happening I feel like I've been growing at work as well um, you know I've had opportunities to act in roles where I've had to manage people that I hadn't done before look at things from a different perspective in my work um, and one of the things I wrote down about how I've been growing is um, trying to move away from Worrying about the problems to being part of the solution. So there's been a very tense workplace in the last year or so. A lot of strong personalities. Um, one of my colleagues has gone through a breakdown of an engagement and then they were going to be married about two or three weeks ago and they couldn't get refunds on the trip for the honeymoon so they still went over for the trip. It sounds like insanity, I know. <laughs> But you can imagine the emotion of my colleague leading up to that point in the period in between and that impact of that on the workplace. I feel like I'm managing up. If anyone's in you know, some business talk, it's all about managing your manager in some respects, like managing her emotions and trying to um, almost be the point of peace <laughs> within, within our team. But previously, I probably would have just sort of sunk away and just... No, I'll just ignore it and I'll just get on with my work. But now it's like, well, no, I'm going to try and just be 
a positive influence, a calming influence. So there's been lots of little things in the last year um, where I can really see a different type of maturity that I've been gaining. Um, and it's probably more about my sense of self, my sense of how God sees me. And yes, that, that understanding again before that I am who I am meant to be in God's eyes. So that's sort of been the growth recently. Yeah. I feel like in the threads of what Geraldine shared and what Jess shared and what you've shared, it's all this thread of identity and who we are and knowing who we are in God. And, and that's so powerful, isn't it? It actually can change everything when we realise who we are. It's so significant. Um, you've shared a little bit already, but as a Christian male, as a Christian man, as a, as a Christian dad, what are some of the challenges of living out your faith just in the day-to-day of, of work and, and family life and relationships, friendships? Talk to me about that for us. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it touches on what I've already said about you know, feeling like you're meant to be a certain way, a certain Christian standards. And I think the real challenge is feeling like you're not meeting that standard. You know, um, how am I leading my, our family in terms of our faith and our, our growth and our faith and our understanding of God? You know, am I what? You know, am I ticking all the boxes, all the rules, all the standards that need to be met? That's often a challenge. Um, but then I guess because part of that, you know, you sort of have to think, well, everyone's different. Uh, there is no perfect approach. Actually, in some discussions we were having um, recently with some other, some, with a pastor from outside the church, you know, there was a um, comment that was made that people just like, so being honest, it's like someone who's very experienced and, you know, I've got no perfect approach to this. There's, there is no perfect approach. There's no sort of, you've got to read and pray every single morning. Um, you've got to, you know, do your one hour in devotional time every morning. Uh, all the, the practices that, we hear about, um, and I think that's the real the challenge as a as a Christian male, as a father, is in particular in the role as a father, is you want to impart all the good stuff onto your, your kids, but you're not always going to be doing that. <laughs> you know that we've we failed as people, um, we're flawed, um, and you just got to really do the best job you can. Um, in in work, I think the Yeah, it's, it's, the challenges have been probably more recently around, if I'm looking at it through this lens of how am I going to be, uh, uh, make a difference, is how do I make that difference? What do I say? What don't I say? And where I work, if anyone's been in the CBD, sort of around the top end of Collins Street, there always seems to be this bike that's situated on one of the bike racks, and it's got a sign that's basically a quote of John 3.16. And I had one, one of my colleagues, actually this same colleague who went on the trip, the honeymoon trip, that was not the honeymoon, um, walked past that bike and thought, oh, why does he always put it there? Just, you know, can't he just keep his opinions to himself? And I'm just sort of like, oh, I don't know what to say. I'll just stay quiet. <laughs> but at the same time, she knows I'm a Christian. Um, so... You know, it's really that discernment and that wisdom of when to say something, what to say. And so through the, the times, I don't, I'm not saying, you know, going, oh, fuck, you know, I think that God is awesome. I mean, the fact that he loves me because, well, I really don't know why he loves me.
loves me, but he does. Even though I've made all these mistakes, it's not, that's not the conversation to have. All I've done during that time is saying, look, I'm thinking of you, I know it's not your thing, but I'll pray for you because I know you're going through a tough time. And it's just being that, again, that sort of presence, that calming presence and that support. So really trying to focus on how can I be God's love in my workplace. And sort of, I think this has come out of, I mentioned that, maturing. It's just almost getting back to basics. Um, don't think about all the, as a task list as such. I know you love tasks. And this, Not for everyone. Okay. But taking the pressure off and just go, really, Jesus' message was simple. Yeah, love one another. Um, so that's what I'm trying to get back to, but it's still challenging living that out and knowing what to say, knowing what to do. Even in parenting, the battle of fatigue and um, lack of sleep and being asked how I was this like, how was this morning? It's like, I didn't get woken up last time. You know, it's those simple things of getting a full night's sleep. Um, but then the managing of your tiredness in how you interact with your kids is a challenge. Um, you know, how do you manage your own emotions? And I think doing the parenting course earlier in the year was fantastic because it spoke in one instance about, you know, how we respond to our child's behaviours. And one of them was about, there was a couple of questions, you know, but one of them was really about, you know, are they tired? But then they flipped it and said, and also as parents, are you tired? Are you such and such? What's, what's um, determining your behaviour? Which was really helpful because, I mean, I've often found myself, and Oliver is challenging at the moment, um, is growing older, getting his opinions, being forceful with his opinions, and then he sort of got to say, no, this is the line. And sometimes you get quite angry and frustrated, but then I think there's, there's moments where I've realised I've overreacted. But having that parent, of course, and saying, but why have I done that? And then going back to him and saying, look, I'm sorry I reacted that way, I'm tired. And I'm trying to explain to him where it's come from. That might also actually then help him in managing his emotions as well um, when he gets angry. So there's lots of challenges, lots of things that you've got to manage, as you know. Um, so that's, that's probably the main things. Yeah. yeah, I'm hearing a theme as well of being real, like being real with colleagues, not weird, you know, yeah. like not weird with our faith. And yeah. Like that thing of where we authentically live our faith, not in a strange, wacko way, but actually just in a pretty, you know, normal way. Mm. Um, and with our kids too, kids, mm. kids receive that, kids see when we're saying the right thing mm. versus when we're actually digging in and being real with yeah. faith. And we yeah. talked about that in our C's mm. team training last week, you know, being real, like saying, I don't know the answer to that, or mm. I have some doubts about that, but I'm still seeking and I'm looking at the Bible and, you know, so that's really refreshing feel that, that thing of being authentic with kids, with colleagues, you know, in the way you're living out your life. Lastly, how can we as a church be praying for you? And, um, you know, we want to be a church that lifts up and celebrates and prays and honours men and women. Um, I'm a female leader, um, but we want to be a church where culturally we are um, championing men just as much as we do women. So tell us a bit about how we can do that. Well, I think... Um 
I think about it from personally for myself, I guess it's, it's really, and I think this is probably something that we all wrestle with, um, which is just having the wisdom to know what to say and when to say it. Um, again, it's just, I guess what I'm, you can sort of get a sense of where I'm at with in terms of how I'm viewing everything, but it's really just trying to get down to the simple fundamentals of just how do I, how do I, how am I, how am I going to be who I am, which is a follower of, of Christ um, in every day. Um, Self-management. <laughs> um, yeah. Rest. Rest is massive. Um, and it's, it's sort of not even just sleep. Uh, it's mentally resting. Mm. Um, you know, I'm... I'm one that, you know, standing, sitting here with a tablet in front of me, um, I've always been engaged with technology. And, you know, that, and I, even though I know all the arguments about it, you know, that, you know, how it affects someone's life, you still keep, oh, you know, I just need to go and check something in my email and just pick up a tablet. And then next thing you know, it's 45 minutes later and what became an email then became looking at the sports scores, looking at the sports news, and looking at everything else, anything else that drags your attention. Um, so rest mentally as well. And what I've really, I've been taking steps already by making sure that I've been trying to put my phone, you know, not wherever I am, not even in my pocket, if I'm going into a meeting or something, staying at my desk, just leaving it away from the space that I'm in. So rest is a big one. Um, Continuing to be, I've uh, written down, continuing to not be a complainer, um, but be a, to be a change maker and an influencer. Um, and by that I mean, it's not that I'm you know, verbally complaining to things, but to about things, it's in that office environment. Mm. Just going, oh, this is just atrocious. And just the, the mental arguments about, like, this is, I'm over this, you know, this is just silly. Um, to actually thinking, no, don't let it impact, impact me, be an impact. Mm, yeah. um, That's great. And, and to just to continue to, to know that I am who I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, we can, we can all go on those ups and downs and, you know, I might feel like I'm cruising back up now and floating on the waves, but um, we know that there's going to be tough times as well. Mm-hmm. It's just life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, just... Uh, I'm sharing these things because I think they're things that probably we all struggle with at times. Um, but just to, so that we can all know that we are who we are, who we're meant to be. And particularly, I think, as fathers, as men, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's so many pressures in the world of, you know, you've got to be blokey. Mm-hmm. You know, in our Australian culture, you've got to be a blokey, you act a certain way. Um, you know, to be a guy with, you know, jokes get crude and things like that, and you sort of display. I can sort of joke around a little bit, but you sort of go, where's the line? And that, that pressure mm-hmm. to play the role, um, that instead you just want to sort of be able to stand strong in who you are, stand strong in your own belief and your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're challenges. So, yeah. So good. Thanks for what you shared, Phil. We so appreciate your like, being so candid, you know, and I think that, as you say, that will speak to uh, you know, all of us have similar experiences of the seasons of faith we, we travel through, you know. Please thank Phil for sharing this There's been a sense in which through um, this series, there's been a lot of transformation taking place, hasn't there? 
maybe some of us just today we're maybe realising that for the first time there's been things happening, God's been doing something and we've been singing this song, New Wine, you know, Jesus, do a new thing, you know, bring something new out of, out of me. And I think the main word for this morning is transformation. What is the transformation that God has been doing in us? I think some of us have been leaving things behind and, and saying goodbye to some things. And this Colossians 3 reading is, is so much about the leaving behind and the grabbing on to a new life. And, um, and others of us have, have shared that they've come to a new awareness of the season they've been in. Um, a bit like Geraldine, that aha moment, I'm at the wall, that's where I am. That's so helpful, now I can journey through it, you know. And um, I just want to share a final little story. It's a story I came across recently, it's from Christian history. And I, I just want to share it as we nearly close now um, for our formal time of worship. But it's a story about a man named William Borden. You may or may not have heard of William Borden, but I heard a story about him a couple of weeks ago at a conference I went to called Rebuilders, a discipleship conference. And um, the, the person who told the story was Mark Sayers. Some of you may know Mark Sayers. Um, but born in 1887, William Borden... Um, graduated from a Chicago high school in 1904. And he wrote three things over the course of his life in the back of his Bible. And so I'll share a little bit about his story. He was an heir to the Borden family fortune. The Bordens were a wealthy silver mining family in Colorado. And so at the age of 18, he was already uh, very, very wealthy. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the world. And as a young man travelled through Asia, the Middle East and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. Finally, Bill Borden wrote home about his desire to be a missionary. One friend expressed disbelief that Bill was throwing himself away as a missionary, quote unquote. A story often associated with Borden says that in response, he wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserve. <clears throat> Even though young Borden was wealthy, he arrived on the campus of Yale University in 1905, trying to look like just one more freshman or first year student, as we would say here. Very quickly, however, Borden's classmates noticed something unusual about him. And it wasn't that he had lots and lots of money. One of them wrote, he came to college far ahead spiritually of any of us. He'd already given his heart in full surrender to Christ and had really done it. We who were his classmates learned to lean on him and find in him a strength that was solid as a rock just because of this settled purpose and consecration. During his university years, Bill Borden made an entry in his personal journey that defined what his classmates were seeing in him. That entry said simply, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. During his first semester at Yale, Borden started something that would transform campus life. One of his friends described how it all began. It was well on in the first term when Bill and I began to pray together in the morning before breakfast. I cannot say positively whose suggestion it was, but I feel sure it must have originated with Bill. We had been meeting only a short time when a third student joined us and soon a fourth. 
The time was spent in prayer after a brief reading of scripture. Borden's small morning prayer group gave birth to a movement that soon spread across the whole campus. By the end of his first year, 150 first-year students were meeting regularly for Bible study and prayer. By the time Bill Borden was a final-year student, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 students were meeting in such groups. Borden's outreach ministry was not confined to the Yale campus. He cared about widows and orphans and the disabled. He rescued drunks from the streets of New Haven. To try to rehabilitate them, he founded the Yale Hope Mission. Borden's missionary call narrowed to the Muslim world and the Kanzu people in China. Once he fixed his eyes on that goal, Borden never wavered. Although he was a millionaire, Bill seemed to realise always that he must be about his father's business and not wasting time in the pursuit of amusement, quote-unquote. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden turned down some high-paying job offers. It was recorded that on his graduation, Bill Borden wrote two more words in his Bible, no retreats. Bill Borden went on to do graduate study at Princeton and when he finished his studies, he sailed for China. Because he was hoping to work with Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, in 1913, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. When the news of William Whiting Borden's death was cabled back to the US, the story was carried by nearly every American newspaper. A wave of sorrow went around the world, the newspaper wrote. Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself, in a way so joyous and natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice, was a quote written about Borden in the introduction to his biography. Was Borden's untimely death a waste? Not in God's perspective. As the story has it, prior to his death, Borden had written two final words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he is reported to have written, no regrets. Let's pray. Jesus, your word says, since then we have been raised with Christ. And so set your hearts on things above where you are seated at the right hand of God. This morning, we have been moved by stories of you at work in the lives of our community. And this story reminds us that, Jesus, you call us to leave behind a life that was centred on ourselves, centred on identity that could be easily shaken. And you call us to a new life. You call us to a new life of freedom and faith, um, call us to give ourselves away. You call us to place our identity in you, Jesus. And so we thank you this morning for this encouragement we have found. Thank you for the stories of faith which continue to remind us and call us back to the life of faith you call us to live so fully, so passionately in every season, whether on the mountaintop in the valley, at the wall, in times of change and transition, wherever we are, you call us to that life of faith. And we thank you for that incredible call, that incredible invitation. 
Um, and we say yes afresh this morning, Jesus, to living as followers of you. In your name we pray. Amen.